0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum of the Raven Institute of uh, Ministry of Biblical Studies. And here with me this morning is Pastor Terry Shaw. Pastor Terry Shaw riding right here today. Good to have you, my brother. Uh, and we welcome you to the Raven Institute of Ministry, where we do an expository teaching on the Word of God, uh, typically Monday through Friday. It's not going to be that this week because of the holiday. But we're usually here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until. Excuse me, until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with a teaching on the Word of God. Right now, well, brother, we are uh, right in the midst of a, an expository teaching on the Book of Romans. And yesterday we did our our 100th class on the Book of Romans, which we started back last May. And it's, it's really been a tremendous time of uh, just getting into the Word of God and allowing that Word to, to get in and saturate us and to really change and, and transform us. And so, uh, you folks that have been with us for uh, maybe the whole time, and uh, you know that God has just been revealing some, really some tremendous things. And this Roman letter is really the Magna Carta of the New Covenant. And if you can get a hold of it, really what you're going to find is just a greater understanding of the entirety of the Word of God. You're just going to see the Word of God come alive in your life. And not only that, your relationship with the Lord of God, with the, with the Lord Jesus is going to just be uh, really, I believe, enhanced. And uh, brought to a place of fulfillment because I think you're really going to see where it comes from and what Jesus did for you. And so, but if you you haven't been with us in the past, you're joining us for the very first time. These classes are made available through our website, and you can go to www.biggrace.com. Deb is putting that up on the screen as I say that. But you can go to biggrace.com and you can download those uh, classes free of charge. There's no charge on anything that we have there in MP3 format. Burn it, use it. Give it away. Pass it on. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, and invite people to come on. I was thinking about this this morning, Pastor. You know, we have such a great time here. And I think about just the time we had last night with on the Raven Nation and yeah. Sunday night on our, our Raven House to House. And just the times to come together. And it's, it's uh, you know, a year ago, it was kind of an unusual type of format. But really what you find is you, you meet people and you really develop some tremendous and great relationships. I see Tony just popped on. Tony was here with us yesterday morning and I actually got to meet her face to face last night. And so I got to put a face to, uh, to Tony. She lives, uh, not far from us here and her, her and her husband, Pastor Craig, uh, down in Port Orange. Pastor Alex works with Craig. Uh, but, uh, good to meet those guys and good to have them here. So it's really becomes kind of like a cohesive family unit. So I encourage you to pass it on, uh, send it to your, uh, Uh, friends, family, and say, hey, why don't you come and do Bible study with us uh, in the mornings, and we'd love to have you. So pass that that on. We have folks, and we just want to welcome them that are in foreign countries. Our, our pastor, Pastor Z's there in Pakistan. Pakistan's going through a lot of unrest right now. Difficulty with their elections, and uh, I read somewhere yesterday it says that they fear that Pakistan may become the new Iran mm-hmm. because of the type of leadership. And I don't know some of you, most me, most of it, I know, all of us here were alive when the Shah of Iran was disposed, deposed and went into exile, and the Ayatollahs took power and uh because it was it was a nation much like Pakistan in relationship to their their political structure and their relationship with the United States, but just those type of things happening and so uh Pastor is there in Pakistan he's in the second largest uh, uh city in the nation, which I think is nearly seven million people uh, uh, and just Praying for revival, and so those guys are with us, and uh, our friends in India and uh, in Africa as well and so invite somebody to come and, and, and be a part of this. Just notice my mom and dad just checked in, so I get to see my mom and dad or they get to see me on, a, on a, in the mornings as well, so good to have them as well. so encourage you to come and, and be a part of this, and I think it 's just really what God has given us a tool to to really uh, empower and equip the, the, the saints of God for the work of the ministry in these last days. So, boom, boom, boom. we're good to be here this morning. Good to have all of you here as well. Pastor, why don't you pray us in this morning. Pray for just the God's direction and anointing on the teaching today and for those that need a physical healing in their bodies too. Amen.
1: Father, we thank you for this day, Father. We praise you, Father. Just Father, we just lift up all those, Father, today that... Uh, are struggling in any way, Father? Finances, Father? Sickness and disease, whatever it may be, Father. And, and Father, we we do ask, Father, that you just have an anointing on this word today, Father, that we're able to absorb this word, Father, and again put it, to put it to use, Father. We, as Pastor Alex preached last night, Father, we need a revelation in this in this country, in this world, Father, just people to, that'll get out of the pews and go out to the streets, Father, to reach the lost. Father, there's so many out there as you, as we see them daily, Father. And Father, we just, uh, we just, Father, we're just so. Mm, there's the lost, Father. I mean, we just need so many to go out, Father, and just to, to reach the lost, Father. Just think daily of all the people out there, Father, that uh, as you see the faces of the ones that you that you minister to, Father. Just help us, Father, to, to put this word into action. And we just thank you, Father, for all that you do and all that you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you're praying,
0: Pastor, I was just thinking about just that, that news clip I read last uh, last night about, what was it, 36 million people uh, are, go hungry in the United States. that are, I can't remember. Food deprived, I think it's the way I put it. And, you know, I, I think about going down like Ridgewood here in Daytona Beach, uh, Florida, and you've got, you got a place that's, you know, obviously we've got a nice climate, palm trees. I mean, so you're just minutes from the beach right here where I'm sitting today. But you see so much tragedy. You see so much poverty. You see so many people that are struggling. You, you can go there and uh, right there at Ridgewood, by, uh, uh, right downtown, you, you'll find literally hundreds of people gathered all the time. And as we pass by, you know, you, you'll see people that, uh, that are bound by as transvestite sexual immorality. We made it around the corner, and a, and a woman in her 50s uh, was in prostitution right there, the whole nine yards. And so there is a desperation in this world right now. In, in some of the, quote unquote, the, the places that seem uh, the most beautiful places, there's a lot of devastation. And really they're waiting for us to go out there with the light. And we see that all the time when we go. And so, what, folks, really what it is is we've got to become equipped with the Word of God because this is what's going to set people free. You know the truth, and the truth will make them free. As much as I wish that our smiling faces and our our happy-go-lucky attitudes would set people free, they don't set people free. You know, some of the nicest people I've ever met are lost people, have been lost people that I've worked with or uh, had some type of interaction with. But them being nice never liberated anyone. Folks, listen, it's got to take an understanding of the Word of God. Certainly, there is that love that comes out. But I tell you what, the love of God is always embodied in truth. And so we've got to know that truth because... Us being sweet or giving somebody a bottle of water, that's never, they're never going to say, well, great bottle of water, I think I'm going to repent and get saved. Folks, it is the Word of God that pierces men's hearts, that is the discerner of the thoughts and the tents of those things, and brings them to conviction that they can come to salvation. Maybe their circumstance will not change. But folks, listen, we're not out there to change people's circumstances, even though we want to try and give that effort. What we're trying to change is people's eternity. Because, listen, in this life, I'd rather be homeless in in this lifetime to know that in my Father's house there are many mansions. And where He is, I shall be also, and that I'll have a dwelling place there. I would much rather forego the the riches of this world in order to possess the the riches of of glory in Christ Jesus. And so, folks, we've got such a job and a task before us. Every single one of us, God is called to be ministers of reconciliation. So I really encourage you as we get into the word of God, let that word just stir up something in you to go out and and, and be that that doer of the word of God and to to break the bondage of of, of sin and destruction off of hearts and lives. But we'll never do it apart really from knowing the word of God because what what that does is that causes something inside of us to be compelled to go and do it because we've become obligated. And if you've said under this word for just any portion of these hundred uh, teachings Listen, guys, you are obligated to walk in the fulfillment. I tell people all the time, I'm obligated to walk in the amount of light that God has shed into my life. And so the apostles said, we, 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 we testify of the things that we've seen and heard. And so as you see this, as you hear this, you are obligated to do this. Okay? No more we've talked about. Is he going to continue to wink at sin? You can't think that God's just going to turn a blinded eye to those types of things. He is stirring something up and he's raising up a people for his namesake. So I encourage you, uh, stop putting it off and start, start putting it on, so to speak. And allow the word of God to come into your life. So if you're here, turn to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, verses... Uh, 1, 2, and 3 is what we've really looked at in detail for the last week. And I want to read this to you to kind of set the tone as we're moving into the next verse this morning. It says, There is therefore now... Don't you love the now? now? When? When?
1: Right now.
0: Now. Right now, folks. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Brother, you know we're celebrating Thanksgiving this, this, uh, this coming week tomorrow here in the United States anyhow. And uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for. You know we, we think about what god's done for us and, and I know people that I get prayer requests all the time and their plight is a uh, hundred times worse than, than mine Deb and I were talking prior to the, going live this morning just about circumstances that come up you know financial trepidation all these things said you know what just got to depend upon god and I, and I think about you know if, if we're saying that and, and really we got lights on we've got Air conditioning going, I'm drinking a nice warm cup of coffee this morning. What about those folks that don't have that, that don't have the benefit of these things? That Maybe they're, they're living in, in squalor, maybe they're living under, the, under uh, uh, immense persecution of a uh, foreign government, or whatever it may be. Folks, we have a lot to be thankful for, even in the natural. And so, you know, really, we, and we ought to, as we read these first three verses, really, that's something we need to give thanks for. When we read those verses I just read that there's, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Listen, we need to give thanks for that. I mean, if nothing else is, is working out, if you're struggling, you know, struggling in a relationship, struggling with finances, struggling with your job, or, or whatever it may be, struggling in, in, in a battle that you're going through. Folks, when we read 1, 2, and 3 of Romans chapter 8... Man, I tell you what, we need to say, let's kill the fatted calf and put a robe on, up on our shoulders and new shoes in our feet because just reading that. Listen, we ought to breathe this to collective sigh of relief saying, God, you know what? I've been spoiled. I've, I've, I've looked to other things for satisfaction. And just knowing what Jesus did for me in breaking the yoke of condemnation off of my life, man, I can be, I can rejoice and I can be exceedingly glad because I know that I have my name written in the Lamb's book of life and there is a reward for me in all of eternity. And so these three verses really, brother, they set the tone, uh, for the believer's walk of victory, so to speak. And so we're given the truth that we no longer have to be under the condemnation of the sin nature but we can walk in the enabling power of the spirit of god by faith and so what we have here and we've talked about this we have a new law or a new set of principles that have been enacted and empowered and write that down and say there's a new set of laws or principles that have not only been enacted or put into writing but they've been empowered in our lives through the new birth What's important about that? We talked about, and you know, we always tease Pastor Terry about being a a history buff, which he's not. He don't, you know, he's he's living now. He's not worried about what happened back 200 years ago. But I happen to be one. Uh, But we talked about the Emancipation Proclamation here, that was signed by uh, uh, President uh, Lincoln in the 1860s. He said Lincoln. He's he's catching on, and so he enacted that, but it wasn't empowered until after a battle. You hear what I'm saying? And so there's a proclamation that's come forth. Folks, listen. Our Emancipation Proclamation came 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it is finished. But there is a battle been ra- waged over the, the, the hearts and lives of, of men and women every single moment of every single day ever since. We see it. We see it with those that are bound by, by crack and prostitution and, 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 and broken relationships and, and all these types of, of problems that they have. But he, when, when he says this, He not only gives us those things and enacts those, but literally He empowers those things in our life. And so we talk so often about just that being a new creature. And so it's not a religious experience. And what we do, guys, we talk to so many people that are coming off drugs, and we've seen so many people just radically delivered. And The testimonies are even in this room in our live audience today of people that, man, God has set them free and broken the yoke of sin and boom, that they didn't have to go through some 12-step program. But what the enemy wants to do is, 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 is not take us away and say it's enacted. Because he can't take away the truth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. But if the enemy can ever get us from appropriating that truth, he's got us in bondage. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so it's got to not only be enacted, and so when I tell you that there's no condemnation, as I'm saying what the word of God says, for those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not in flesh but, in God, but after the Spirit, that has been enacted. It was enacted when it was written 2,000 years ago. But the question is, are we going to allow that to be empowered in our life through faith? Because you can hear it all day. I can say the slaves have been set free. But until the chains are broken, the person that is in bondage never feels the freedom. They could say they could they could have rode horseback through the through the the South declaring the, the slaves have been freed the slaves have been freed but the guy that is chained to that to that, that that plow horse is going to say well that sounds real good so why am I still walking in slavery why is my life still the same way how many of you have said the exact same thing but folks listen we if we get a hold of the revelation of Romans 1, uh, 8, 1, 2, and three and we realize that those chains have been broken off of our life that it's not only been a- enacted but through faith in what the Word says, it can be empowered and so those yokes fall, they break, and we're literally walking in that freedom. And it's not a 12-step program, it's a one-step program. It's one step right to the cross of Calvary putting faith in not what we do or or, or our willpower or our ability to stay clean for, for 30 days and hope for another 30. But it's what Jesus did upon the cross. He said it's finished, and if I can put myself and identify with Him, what's happening? I'm empowered by what Jesus said. And we are giving the truth that we no longer have to be under the condemnation of the sin nature, but can walk in the enabling power of the Spirit of God by faith. But folks, listen—that's a choice. That's a choice. You can either you can have it enacted and say, "Well, I got this, but I'm not going to appropriate that in my life through faith," or you can or you can do it, or you can say, "Listen, I, I hear it. God has given that promise, and through faith, not of my own works." Lest any man should boast. But through faith, I'm going to see that yoke broken off of my life and allow the power of the Spirit to come into my life. And so, folks, what we have here is a new law or a new set of principles that have been enacted and empowered in our lives through the new birth. And it's so important to to, to get in our heart, really, as we study the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, the ability to walk in righteousness. Because a lot of people don't think that we have the ability to walk in righteousness, thus victory. Uh, and, and, but it's not only been enacted, but it has been in, or deposited in our lives, but empowered as well. And I want you to write down John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. John 1, 12 through 13. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. I'm going to show you what he said about this. He said, But as many as received him. Now what does that mean? Many as by faith, as many as got saved, many as were, were born again, as many that were transformed by faith in, in, in Jesus Christ. It says, as many as received Him, to them He gave power. Okay? He gave power to become what? Held in bondage? To stay the same? He gave them, them power to to, to to hope that one day things would change? To, 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 to be clean 30 days? What did He say? He said He gave them power to become the sons of God to them that believe on His name. Okay, I want to go back and say that. As many as received Him, is that a limited amount? Or is that a whosoever will? So as many as received Him, He gave you also, He not only enacted it, but He empowered it. And so if I believe Him, or if I've received Him, through the enacting of the Word of Truth into my life, what does He do then? He empowers you to become, and I love the identification of, of the sons of God, and we talked about this as well about you know an inheritance and and and, and cutting off, getting cut off of one, and, and God cutting us into another, and Him giving us our portion, and Him bringing that to us, and and giving us that inheritance, and we get the benefits of everything that involves that. Folks, listen, we're called the sons and the daughters of God. And I tell you what, with that, there's a great power, there's a great authority that comes, and it gives us the power to to over all the powers of the adversary, to walk in that, that victory that he's promised us. And it says on, goes on to say, and it really ties right into to Romans chapter 8, verses 1-2-3, we uh, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. In other words, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so folks, listen, when we come to Christ, when we receive him, when we, when we through an act of, of our faith and our submission and our, the confession of our mouth according to Romans chapter 10 and we ask Him to come into our life, immediately something happens. It becomes the now of Romans 8.1. Now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When, when what? John 1.13 It's not born of the, the flesh or the will of man. I love that. The will, nor of the will of the flesh or your own willpower. And so you don't become a a, a son of God because, listen, I've got willpower, I'm going to say no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to to have strength. Folks, listen, you're going to end up falling flat on your face just like every single one of us did dozens of times when we tried to walk according to that. But when I allow myself to be empowered by the Word of God and I begin to identify with the Spirit of God as a son of God, what happens? Boom, I begin to get a victory over those type of things. And so He's not only offered to adopt us, into his lineage, as we discussed in yesterday's class, but he also gave us the power to become the sons of God. So he enacted and empowered the adoption, or as I've said in the past, he's given us the law of a greater power. And so that adoption is empowered by the new birth and the transformation. Folks, listen. Your salvation isn't some distant thing that you're waiting to happen. It is now. It's a now salvation. You have been changed. You have been transformed. You are seated with Him in heavenly places. You, you are the righteousness of God revealed. That, that is who you are in the now. And so what we've got to do is get our faith in the now. And that way we can get our life in the now so we can walk in a victory in the now as well. And so, folks, these three verses just all alone really should serve to give us the truth as to faith in Jesus Christ, breaking, as we've talked about, that gravitational pull of the sin nature from off of our lives and literally propelling us to a place where we sit with Him in heavenly places. You know, I read somewhere that it requires 2 million pounds. Now think about this. 2 million pounds of solid rocket fuel and 500,000 pounds of liquid fuel to place and maintain the space shuttle's orbit around the earth. 2 million pounds of, of solid rocket fuel to get it up. Well, I, I live living here in here in, in Florida, just miles from Cape Canaveral. You know what? I've seen many shuttles take off. I've seen night launches. and it's a, it's a spectacle. You know, I'm 60 miles from where they launch or 60 to 75 miles from where it is. But if it's a night launch, man, I tell you what, it is like a flame up in the sky. You can see those 2 million pounds burning in the sky. It is unbelievable sight to see it with your own eyes. And so... Uh, to think what it took to get that done. And we're talking about a vehicle that obviously weighs more than 2 million pounds because the fuel alone weighs 2.5 million. And so the whole thing, and so to have the thrust and the power to do that, folks, listen, it, it takes that and it must reach a speed of 17,500 miles an hour to, to, to leave Earth orbit and to maintain orbit around the Earth. Now, now think about those numbers. They're staggering. You know, I get up around 75, 80, 90 miles an hour, and, you know, I'm really watching. Man, I hope I don't lose control. But think about 17,500. You are not in control any longer. You are strapped onto something that is so much more powerful than you that, that, listen, you may have something to guide it, but you're praying and you're hoping for the best. Folks, listen. When you strap on the cross of Calvary through faith, what you're doing is you're strapping on something that is a much more powerful than you. It's not something that you're going to control. It's not something that you're going to dictate. What you're going to do is you're, that cross is lifted up and it's pointed upward. If I be lifted up, He'll draw men into me. And you're going to strap on and you're going to say, Come on, power of the Holy Spirit, get up on me. And you're going to have to believe that He's going to break the gravitational pull of the sin nature. And you're thinking, you know what, man, I'm 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 walking in eternity. I'm looking up for my redemption. Draws nigh. Do you hear me? And I'm going to be in that status, and I'm going to be walking in that. And so those things are extreme. Yet all those things, and we talk about the shuttle, it pales in comparison to what was needed to fuel the breaking away from the gravitational pull of sin. And it took the most precious and the irreplaceable fuel supply ever known to the history of mankind. And it was the blood of Jesus. But folks, listen. When we have the fuel of the Holy Spirit through faith poured into our lives, we now have the promise of entering literally our environment of spiritual weightlessness. Now think about just that analogy. When we break that pull, what happens? We enter a place of weightlessness. Take about Matthew 11, 28-30. We we've, we've talked about this a couple days ago. Come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden. You are that are under the gravitational pull, the bondage of the sin nature. You that are struggling to say, man, God, I love you. I'm sincere. But there's these this one thing that I continue to find in myself. What is it? You are yoked down. Now, brother, you can take off one of those boosters. And you know what? That shuttle's not going to get off the ground. Matter of fact, it may get off the ground, but it's immediately going to crash into the ground. Why? Because it's out of balance. What the Word of God does, it brings that balance, and it brings the thrust, it brings the power to separate us from the things that want to hold us down. It says, Come to me, you that are laboring and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brother, I tell you what, with all the roaring, with all the screaming of those boosters, once they enter into the weightlessness of outer space, They say you have never heard anything so quiet. There is a stillness. There is a solitude. And those things that were heavy, now they they were too heavy. They were too cumbersome for the astronauts even to lift on earth. They suddenly become manageable in the weightless environment of outer space. Folks, listen. The things in our life that seem cumbersome, that seem so heavy, that seem like they were such a burden to us, man, once you come unto Him and you get that, that yoke is easy and that burden is light, Man, what begins to happen? They're still they're still there, but suddenly they 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 change. The perspective changes. They're still there. The the circumstance that 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 bill that you don't know how you're going to pay. That relationship that seems so devastated. But once I get into that place and I'm in Christ, what happens? They're, they're there but I can deal with them. They're there, but I can handle them. They're there, but they're not so cumbersome. They're there, they're, they're manageable. They're there that I can move those things around and they can be positioned where I want. Folks, listen, that's where God wants to bring every single one of us. But you will never get that until you allow the Word of God that, that Romans chapter 8, verses 1, 2, and 3 specifically to, to be that place that takes you into that now environment of weightlessness. Not to be, not to be burdened down. Folks, listen, none of us can handle. None of us are, are, are built to, to take those stresses. But the many things that they, they say, heart disease and some types of cancers and, and dip, high blood pressure and things like that, they contribute much of those things to stress. And they even talk about if, if someone that's in the hospital, that they're under a lot of stress, that, that, that it takes them longer to get well. Folks, listen, the, the ultimate stress device and the vehicle of stress is the sin nature. Why? Because it's always warring against the things of the Spirit. And so if I can get into that place of no condemnation, being in Christ Jesus, not walking according to the flesh, that gravitational pull of who I was, and I get into the weightless environment of of, of, of of His yoke upon me, which is which is easy and light, what am I going to be able to do? I'm going to be able to deal with those things. He says, can a man add an inch to his height by worrying? Absolutely not. That's when we have to seek first the kingdom. That's right. I was right. going to say, brother. Really,
1: that was... You know, so often it comes back to Matthew 6.33. That's right. Seeking first the kingdom. If you really do that, I mean, I was I was at a point not too long ago, stressed over different things here, you know, but it's it just lightens that, that burden so much when you just go and do the Father's business.
0: Yeah. And, and I remember you telling me this week, you are talking about these things that are going on, that, that certain things aren't working out the exact same way circumstantially. And he said, listen, I've just decided I'm just going to go do what God told me to do anyway.
1: Before we came here.
0: And as a result, what happens? Then you get the joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you get a peace that passes understanding. Folks, our understanding becomes our weight. And our understanding becomes our roadblock to the now. And so what it does, it impedes the progress that we have, and it basically it loosens us from the solid uh, rocket fuel of faith in the Word of God in appropriating the blood of Jesus and having it not only enacted, but empowered in our life. And so we've got to come to that place. You know, uh, verse 3 establishes literally to us that Jesus was the one that broke us free from the pull of the sin nature and keeps us in orbit according to His will. And so what's interesting about that analogy that I've been using on that uh, is regards to the law of the greater power and breaking free from that gravitational pull of sin is that even though the space shuttle breaks free from the pull of earth's gravity, the gravity is still there. Okay, It doesn't eliminate the gravity. The gravity is still there. It's just waiting on the shuttle to lose altitude and creep closer into that pull. Because it's it got to maintain a certain speed. You've got to maintain the, 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 the distance from that environment. If you ever dip the nose of that, shadow, uh, that shuttle and your trajectory's wrong, what's going to happen? You're going to head right headlong back into that thing. Folks, it's the same way with us. That's why it's so important to stay in the Word of God. It's so important to stay before God in prayer. It's so important to stay around your brothers and sisters in fellowship. Because what do they do? They help to maintain your distance from that, that sin nature pulling you in. They serve to always remind you that there is a victory in Christ Jesus that enables you to overcome. And so, that's how the sin nature operates. Repentance and faith towards the, the blood of Jesus become literally our two million pounds of solid rocket fuel that break us from, the, from sin's dominion. But still, it's sitting there in that ominous place always ready to welcome us back into its clutches. And so we've got to be aware of that pull. We've got to be aware of that bondage because it's sitting there. But God gives us the Power to become the sons of God, to break free from that pull, and to, and to stand and walk in faith and in righteousness. Folks, I've said this before and I think I need to say it again. We don't need to continue to walk in that, that up and down. If I could, if you got your mic on, uh, Yasin, Happy, if you'd mute your microphone, I'd appreciate that. But we we got to walk and maintain that, that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through faith. Otherwise, it's always going to draw and pull us back into that thing. So, I want to read verses 1 through For to you this morning. Here's what it says. It says, There is therefore now no no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. I want to stop right there. It has been condemned, brother. The condemnation that that was not for us, I I want to say this. I want to put it to you like this. The condemnation that was meant for us when we come to Jesus Christ, it is now uh, transferred over to that sin nature. That's what he desires to do. The condemnation that was upon us, that, that had a verdict on us, that says, you know what, there's no hope, there's no life. When we break free from that, now that condemnation should be appropriated on who we were. It should eliminate us from desiring to go back to those type of things. So that's what he did. He condemned sin in the flesh. And so he said, listen, you will no longer have power over my daughter. You will no longer have power over my son. That addiction is going to be broken. I condemn you in the flesh. That thing is broken and cut down and hewn down at the root. And so he's saying, I am condemning those things in the flesh. But folks, it's us. Just like we talked about. Use the the, the example of, of someone on death row. You know, a, 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 a reprieve comes or a stay of execution comes. Folks, it's, it's only us. We become that governor, so to speak, or that, that, that person of authority. And we can say, yeah, you owe bondage to sin. I'm going to give you a stay of execution. I'm not going to execute you. I'm going to let you stay there on my death row, and I'm going to give you some hope of escape. Folks, listen, it's us that, can, that he condemned it to the flesh, but he gives us the power. Because think about it, a governor doesn't sit on that jury panel. The jury sits on that and it says you are guilty of the crime charge. But the governor is that go between. And folks, listen, we're that spiritual governor over our own selves through our self-will. And we can say, listen, I'm either going to let that thing be be crucified, I'm going to let that thing be condemned in the flesh, or I'm going to give that thing a stay of execution. Folks, listen, we've got to stop making last-minute deals uh, and, and, and midnight reprieves of our sin nature and allow the switch literally to be pulled on that stuff and eliminate the threat all together. You know, they talk about, you know, in, in the natural realm about is, uh, is capital punishment a, 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 a factor in keeping crime? Folks, listen, I don't know about it in the natural, but I know in the spiritual it is. Because that devil, he knows that every time he comes with a temptation, man, that you're going to squash that thing, that you're going to put that thing to death. What happens? Man, he becomes more reluctant to continue to attack you in those same areas. Why? Because every time it comes, it is written, Thus saith the Lord. The Lord God has said this. Here's what the blood of Jesus did. And when I begin to constantly pull the switch of God's Word through faith, and he knows that every time he comes, he's going to get a jolt, and he's going to get a lethal injection of the Word of God, because I'm going to begin to speak that into my situation and believe God's power to bring me victory. I tell you what, it is going to be something that serves as a warning to the adversary in those attacks upon my life. And so then he goes on to say that, the, that the, he condemns sin in the flesh for this reason now now here's something folks you you've got to you've got to listen closely to this fourth verse because i don't want you to miss it because there's been such a misconception and misappropriation of certain truths and this is one of them and it says that the law of, the, of, of uh, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled why did he do those things why did he break condemnation that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled how read those two words in us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Here's what I want to bring up today. When it says the righteousness of the law, what it's telling us that indeed the law was righteous because it originated in God. It started in God so the law is righteous. Yet, for it to declare a man righteous, a man had to walk literally in total and complete obedience to it, which was a total impossibility uh, uh, apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, in the reason being is because verse three stated because it was weak through the flesh. In other words, the law could not be fulfilled in the flesh because the flesh has no power over the law. And so, God never intended. For His law, and here's what you need to hear, God never intended for His law, and when I'm speaking of the law, I'm talking about the moral law of Moses, the morality. I'm not talking about the Levitical law uh, of all these other types. I'm talking about that specific moral law of Moses. He never meant for that law to become obsolete. He intended for that law to become fulfilled. Okay, and You can write that down. God never intended for the law to become obsolete. He intended for the law to become fulfilled. And I'm going to give you a scripture reference on that. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Here's what he said. He said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. He said, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He said, Truly I say to you, till heaven and earth shall pass away, not one jot or one tittle shall noise pass from the law, till it be what? Fulfilled. Whosoever shall... Uh, shall break one of these least, uh, least commandments and shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Teach what? Teach those moral principles of the law, the standard. For I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. Brother, that is so important right there. And we confront this all the time. We're dealing with a situation of the day, and a guy was talking about, he was dealing with people literally that were in life-threatening situations and drug addiction and homelessness and everything else. And a gentleman was, who's sincere, he said, you know what, I just want to just love them into the kingdom. Now, folks, that sounds, man, that sounds good. It, it does, it sounds good. And, and so, God, now think about, I want you to, I want to put something in perspective, and maybe, I hope the light bulb pops onto you. Can you love someone into the kingdom? Is that enough? The reason I said that is because the, world, the Word says in John 3.16, For God so loved, who? The world. The, world. the world. Is that just a few of the world? Oh. The, he loved the whole world. Now we know, according to Isaiah chapter 4, that hell is ever enlarging itself. And so if God's love for the whole world was not enough to, to, to win them into the kingdom, why do we think our love is? Hmm. Have you ever thought about that? There it is right there. God's love, in and of itself, just the, the attributes of the nature of love, was not enough. And so what did God have to do? God had to send the truth. you hear me? If, the, if love is not accompanied by truth, all it will end up in is condemnation. Do okay? you hear that? I want you to hear that. Because there's this trap that we fall into. If I just love them, if I just love them, if I just love them, God loved every single one of us. But we know that, that that there's a wide gate that leads to destruction and many enter in there's a narrow way that leads to life and few there be that find it and so if I think that if I just continue to love people and I'm sweet to them and I'm kind to them it's going to do that Absolutely not there's got to be the accompanying truth if God send
1: we'll the word brother but if we love, them we'll, if we the love
0: them we'll follow it up with the word of truth because it's truth that sets men free. Folks, listen, You know, I had the knowledge that God loved me and I had people telling me that. Hey, brother, God loves you. I was walking by, hey, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And man, I was going out to try to do some type of immorality or whatever else. Man, I'm okay, God loves me. But I was lost as a Thanksgiving goose, brother. You know why? Because I had not allowed the truth to be empowered in my life. Okay? It had been enacted because it had come but it never been empowered in my life through repentance and faith towards God according to the truth. And so, folks, we've got to come to that place. How will they know unless we, preach, unless we preach what? The truth of God's Word, the Word of God. And so he said, I didn't come to do away with the law or that moral principle. Now we have this moral principle that we call the New Covenant. It's full of truth. But people are always saying things like this where you're just being too legalistic. Basically, what they mean is anyone who adheres to a strict standard of holiness is not in a true relationship with Jesus. While there are many who would really try to accomplish this in the flesh like the Pharisees, there is a call and a demand for those who know Jesus to be holy even as He is holy. Not to do holy things but to be holy. To allow holiness to, to, to be the defining element and to be uh, the, who defines you in Christ Jesus. Who are you? I am holy. Because he said, be holy. Because the law was given by God, and so the law is holy. Everything that comes, every good, every perfect gift, comes down from God above, the Father of lights, who there's no shadow of turning with. And so anything that, that radiates from God... Is holy. Who did the law come from? We see right here. He the law came from God, so the law of God is holy. And so it was it was wrong four thousand years ago when the law was given not to steal. Right? Thou shalt not steal. Is it wrong today? Will it be wrong tomorrow? Will it be wrong in eternity? That's the law. It was law it was wrong to lie four thousand years ago. Was it wrong then? Is it wrong now? Is it going to be wrong tomorrow? Is it going to be wrong in eternity to That's the law of God. It's, it's, it was wrong to kill 4,000 years ago. Thou shalt not kill. It was wrong then, wrong today, wrong tomorrow. It's going to be wrong in eternity. Folks, he didn't come to do away with the law. And so if you're saying I'm not legalistic, if you're not under the law, folks, you're not walking in holiness and righteousness. What you're saying is I can kill, I can steal, I can commit adultery, I can have other gods. Folks, listen, that's the law that came to be fulfilled in us through the truth, but... In and of ourselves, we had no ability. The phrase where it says, it says it will never be accomplished when we walk in the flesh apart from the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so he says that the phrase, walk, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, literally it emphatically declares that there is absolutely no ability in our own efforts to maintain the standard of the law Yet it offers the promise that we can walk in the fulfillment of this law when we are in Christ who fulfilled the law through His sinless life, His vicarious death upon the cross, and, and, and followed by that glorious resurrection from the grave three days later. And so, when I have His work of righteousness in my life, I am adopted into Him and His righteousness, His righteousness, becomes my righteousness. Did, did you hear what I said today? When I'm in Him... And I'm adopted in Him. When I become the, the, the uh, empowered to become the sons of God, His righteousness is my righteousness. It's no longer self righteousness, which is like filthy rags. It's no longer self righteousness with this with my own excuses. It's not the self righteousness of atheism that says, "You know what? There, there's no God." There's it's this intellect and all these other type of things. It's it's not the self righteousness of of someone trying to obtain some type of personal karma or, or some type of personal redemption. Folks, listen. I'm identified with Christ when I'm crucified with Christ upon the cross. And so His righteousness becomes my righteousness. And so am I righteous? Yep. Am I holy? Absolutely. Am I perfect? Yes, I am. Why? Because it's not mine that I'm talking about. I'm identified with Him. And you know, the the flesh always wants to kind of cringe in those type of things. And so, again, when I walk in the Spirit, then the very righteousness that Jesus demonstrated becomes my righteousness by virtue of my new nature, which is in Him. What nature do you have? There's two natures warring against one another. There's the the sin nature, which we had, which was uh, given to us and, and contributed into our lives and moved upon our lives through the fall of Adam. But when we come through faith in that second Adam, as the Scripture says, faith in the, the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, what happens? Now I have a new nature. I have a divine nature. That divine nature is
1: righteous. Brother, one thing, yesterday I was getting an oil change and there was a lady named Lori that was looking at the van. And you talked about that 12-step program earlier. And I talked to you about this some, but how you know people get caught mm-hmm. in that 12-step trap. That's yes. what it is. and and uh well when she saw the man, she came up to me and she says i'm a christian too i said oh you are said, all right praise the lord and i then she says i'm a recovering uh crack addict and i said sister which one are you You tell me you're a christian you tell me you're a recovering crack addict and uh and i said the word says he who the son sets free is free indeed yes and as i talked with her over the course of probably 10 15 minutes that woman had such a burden lifted off of her. Right. And she was able to see who she really is. But, you know, that's a—that's really just of the devil, I think.
0: Yeah, what it is, it holds you, it traps you within that in bondage to that gravitational pull of the sin nature. And so if I never can break free from it, where's my victory? I'm never going to have victory. And so my declaration, I'm never going to have the power to become the son of God. And so I, I'm 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 walking in this this always this process. Maybe one day I'll be it. it becomes that Pinocchio type of anointing. You know, what did Pinocchio? He's always wanting to be a real boy, and so he's always doing these things to achieve that. Listen, guys, it's, an, it's not a process. It's an instantaneous thing that comes into our life through Christ Jesus. We don't have to walk around with the strings of sin and the strings of the flesh uh, connected to our lives. Men, those things are cut and are obliterated through the power of the blood of Jesus. And instantaneously, we're, we're, we're called righteous before Him. And what that enables us to do is walk... From that place of justification now into the place of sanctification where not only we, we, we declared righteous, but the righteousness of God is revealed in our lives through faith in what He did. And He breaks the bondage. He breaks the yokes. He, he breaks the, the pull of sin. He breaks our devotion to those type of things and enables us to walk in that place of the now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And, and the church is so guilty about it as well. You know, we think about Jesus, we look at Luke chapter 5 when He called His disciples off the boats He said, Come and follow Me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so instantaneously what they begin to do? He began to take them around. He breathed upon them. They'd be in, and we see this in, in, in John sixteen. And he breathed upon them and, and the Spirit came upon them and he sent them out two by two. And they came back and they marveled that the demons were subject to Him. He said, Marvel not that demons are subject to you. In my name, but, but rather that your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. That I've put you in a heavenly place. I've separated you from who you were, and those things are going to be attributes of someone that walks by faith. And so as a result of that, we have that same promise. And so he immediately put them in. There's a brother in Long Island, New York that uh, Pastor Sam and, and Lucy worked with. That man, he's sincere, he loves Jesus, but you know, he's, he's quote unquote in the church. They're telling him, well, you're not ready to, to do any type of ministry yet, you've got to sit here for X amount of time. And, and folks, I believe, obviously we believe in discipleship. But discipleship isn't, you set somewhere, and I'll see you in, in, in a few years when you have the right credentials. But discipleship is He took them out and made them fishers of men. Yeah, he took it. them out. We've seen so many people that literally, I, I can think of a young woman to this day that we pulled her off the streets on a Sunday. She was living with a guy that they, uh, with, who had a heroin addiction. She was living in sexual immorality. On a Sunday, she gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. On that Thursday, she got in the, the 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 bus with us and left for a 900 mile trip into New Orleans to preach the gospel in the streets now she didn't know 2 plus 2 let alone John 3.16 but she went and we made her a fisher of men she's now married to a pastor living in Oklahoma doing the work of the ministry and been on the streets with us tons of times now, what if I'd adopted that and say, you know what, sweetie, you know what? You, you got saved and that's real great, but you're probably going to struggle for a long time because you know the type of lifestyle? Uh-uh. We preached a blood-bought, life-changing message to her and she is still walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's been seven, eight, nine years ago and it brought victory into her life. Folks, listen. We've got to allow that, that type of declaration to come into our life. And so what happens is Christians cower literally from boldly proclaiming that they are righteous, that they are holy, that they're perfect... Because even though they may know that it comes from Jesus, they are reluctant to identify with it. We'd rather identify with I'm just an old sorry sinner saved by grace rather than identifying with the character of Christ. Why is it that we want to find it easier to identify with who we were based upon our past that was obliterated literally by the blood Rather than identifying who we are in Christ Jesus, I want to identify with the One that He's empowered me to become the Son of. And I've said many times, folks, your past only goes back as far as the last application of the blood. Okay? How far does your past go back? Boom! The blood hits it. It is obliterated. The only thing that has any power over you in your past... Is the cross. Why? Because I've been crucified with Christ. And so anything that's in my past, oh God, I struggled, uh, you know, a year ago with such and such. I was a recovering crack addict. The blood hit it and he's saying, you're a what? I don't remember that. It's, that has been annihilated. Now think about this. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? Oh. All unrighteousness. Every single bet. And what do we have to do? If we confess our sins, If we were willing to come to that place and say, God, you know what? I missed it. And I repent. And I'm asking you just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, brother, the thing about it is when forgiveness comes, cleansing comes. And now we're identified with Christ Jesus. Undoubtedly, there's many of you that are with us, that are maybe live with us or listening to this uh, uh, in a delayed uh, broadcast. Maybe you've, you've struggled with those type of things. Because the world and even the church in many cases always wanted to to identify you with your past. You know, I was sitting with a young man just the other night until the early hours of the morning. He was just talking about he was involved in in church and some things came into his life. And people just cut him off. They said, listen, you're a failure. We don't want anything to do with you. He said he called a pastor up that he had been close to for, for a number of years. And the pastor told him, he said, listen, he said, I'm glad you called. He said, but I've moved on. He said, you had your chance and you blew it. Folks, listen. We've all had chances and we all blew it many times. And, and we may blow it again. But the good news is that we have got an advocate with the Father that's not going to hold us in the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. That there is a now no condemnation. If we are faithful to, to confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and obliterate the, 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 the markings of those things. We are no longer uh, identified with those things. We are no longer defined by those things whatsoever.
1: Brother, that's something that a pastor could say that. I mean, would Jesus have ever said that? No, to absolutely his? not.
0: But he certainly didn't say it to his congregation, to his disciples. So, folks, listen, I want to say this. In the absence of unrighteousness, if he forgives us of all unrighteousness, did he say that? Is that what 1 John 1.9 says? So, if he forgives us of all unrighteousness, I want to say this. In the absence of unrighteousness, there only remains righteousness. Okay? Isn't that, isn't that liberating? I know it is for me. And so if I say, God, you know what? I blew it. I have messed up. Will you forgive me? Unrighteousness now is eliminated and there's only thing, one thing present now and that's righteousness. I don't know about you guys, but that, that gives me hope. That, that allows me to continue to walk separated from the gravitational pull of the sin nature because there ceases to be anything in me that identifies me with who I was or what I did or what I thought or how I felt. Because now, what happens is the righteousness of God is there. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Folks, listen, that word walk, and we talked about that. It's to order the ordering of one's conduct and behavior. And so, if I allow Him to order my conduct, think about Psalms 50 and 23, right? Psalms 50 and 23. Whoso offereth praise glorifies me. And him that orders his conversation to ride, I will show the salvation of God. Okay? Whoever offers praise, what praise? We'll get into it when we get to Romans twelve one. The offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That's our sacrifice of praise, is offering yourself, which is our reasonable service. And to him that orders his conversation, that word conversation is the word Derek in the in the Hebrew, and it means the course of one's life. And so if I order the course of my life through walk through the walking. Of what it says here in Romans chapter uh, uh, one verses three and four, if I'm walking according to that, or the derek in the Hebrew, what have I done? Man, I tell you what, he orders my my my, my steps, and so I'm, I'm not walking anymore according to the flesh. He's talking about the flesh. He's talking about that indwelling sin nature. But after what not walk after that after is the word that refers to having dominion, but after the spirit, and so no longer am I allowing those things to have dominion over me, but I'm allowing the spirit to have dominion over my life. Now I want you to look at at verses 5 and 6. And these are really kind of tied together. For them that are after the flesh, or have ordered their behavior, or ordered their conversation after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. Folks, listen. When I was lost, you know how I acted? Like a lost person. Easy. It was. I acted that way. I say all the time, I ask people this on the streets, they say, oh, I'm sorry for saying that. I say, hey, you know why a dog barks? And they're kind of looking, well, because he's mad? I said, no, because it's a dog. Folks, So listen, the, the reason that our conversation, our conduct is the way it was when we were lost is because we're lost by nature. And so if I'm after the flesh, if, if everything that I do, if I'm, if I'm ordering my conduct according to the flesh, I'm always going to fulfill it. And so if I'm even a, a believer that continues to say, listen, I'm just an old sorry sinner, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be an oh sorry sinner. And folks, I'm not talking about this this... You know, this, I'm speaking that into it. I'm talking about living it, okay? I'm not talking if I say it, it's going to come to pass. I'm, I'm naming it and claiming it and blabbing it and grabbing That's not what I'm talking about whatsoever. I'm talking about if that becomes the testimony of my heart and my life is that, you know what? I'm just no sinner saved by grace, and so I'm probably going to always struggle. You know what? You'll have a self fulfilling prophecy. You're always going to struggle. But what if we believe what the Word says? We believe that we've been given power to become the sons of God. What are we going to do? We're going to walk up to the fulfillment of that law. He didn't come to do away with it, but it might be fulfilled in Him. And I am in Christ. And so the fulfillment of those principles, the fulfillment of that victory, the fulfillment of that power is in me as well because I am His righteousness revealed because in the absence of unrighteousness, who I was... There's only righteousness which comes from Jesus. And no longer am I under the domination of those things. For they that are after the, 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 the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but those that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. Brother, what are the things of the Spirit? Think about it. What are the things spiritually that did? Jesus came. He was God made manifest. He, he was the Spirit of God made manifest. Took up residence in the incarnation. Okay, so what to, what was He mindful of? We talk about it all the time here. He came for one reason, to seek and to save that which is lost. And so if I'm genuinely walking in the Spirit, what is going to be the thing that I'm mindful of? I'm going to be seeking and saving that which was lost. I'm going to be taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. Even if that lost and dying world is who I go to school with, who I work with, if it's my family, it's my neighbor, maybe you won't travel all over like I do. But maybe you're the, the place that He's given you, you're Jerusalem, and you're Judea, or you're Samaria, and, and maybe eventually the, the uttermost parts of the world. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, what am I going to do? I'm going to be mindful of the things of the Spirit. And so I'm going to always be thinking, I wonder if that person knows Jesus. I wonder if that person knows Christ. And I'm going to take them that life-giving word. Why? Because I know that that it brought righteousness into my life as well but then he says in verse 6 he said for to be carnally minded is death okay but to be spiritually minded is life and peace what does it mean to be carnally minded
1: be of the world.
0: it's the opposite of Matthew six thirty three. you know if I'm spiritually minded I'm seeking first the kingdom if I'm carnally minded I'm seeking first this world and so carnally minded doesn't necessarily mean I want to go out and, and do drugs or I want to go out and, and have sex out of marriage. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It means that my focus is going to be the things of the world. I'm going to seek my own kingdom first. And perhaps maybe God's got a place, but listen, man, we just you know there's a time and a place for Jesus, but it's not right now. I hear people say things like that. And what is it? It is death. It is it is it is it is repulsive to the very nature of who Christ Jesus is and the things that he did. But to be spiritually minded is what? It's life, folks. It is that Zoe. It is that that life that comes, that radiates out of our life, that brings a transformation, that, that causes us to see things different, to do things different, to declare things different, to walk different, to have a different hope and a different outlook and a different faith. It is life and it is peace. And what kind of peace A peace that passes our own comprehension, our own understanding, our ability to figure it out, our ability to put the pen to the paper and say, okay, this is how I'm going to get it done. It transcends those things when I walk in the Spirit. I want to be spiritually minded. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I need to have the mind of Christ. Why? Because I have the righteousness of Christ in my life. Folks, we are totally out of time today. I want to remind you, we're not going to be on live the next couple of days because of the holiday. And so we'll actually be back on Monday morning at 9 o'clock a.m. for this. Really, I just my prayer for you is to just have a blessed time. Take advantage. You know, God's going to put people in your path. During this holiday season, like you know, he's always done. And sometimes you were, uh, you were, you've been reluctant to share your faith with them. Folks, listen. The time is now. The time is short. Look at the things in the world. Uh, Jesus told him. he said, listen, you can go outside and look at the clouds and know it's going to rain. Can you not discern the signs of the time? I believe that God is causing something exponentially to come. He's bringing forums like this to bring people together that otherwise couldn't get together. I'm so blessed to be able to come and be with you guys and to meet so many people. And he's doing that because the time is so short. And so what's he going to do? God is going to begin to network people together. A net catches more fish than a hook. Okay, And so he's networking us together in the body of Christ. I need you. You need me. We are fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. So I encourage you, take advantage of what God has done in you to, to be able to speak that thing that you might draw in a great harvest in the next few days. And just be thankful and grateful to those things. Anything you want to add while, before we close, my brother?
1: That's it, everybody. Just have a good, happy Thanksgiving and think of those that are that are... Lost those that are out on the street, those that are sitting in their homes by themselves that don't have family. But uh, you know, I'm so many times on the streets, uh, in shopping centers and stuff, are you going to eat a lot of turkey? Are you going to do this and that? You know, I'm I'm so tired of hearing that stuff.
0: Yeah. It is. And invite somebody over. You know what? We've got people that are in our new family all coming over to the, to the house. You're here locally? You're listening? Hey, call us up. 504-202-0939. Love to have you as well join us for Thanksgiving. Anyway, folks, we love you. and We just pray that you have a blessed day. And we will be back on Monday morning. We've got one bit of advice for now, as always. Get into the Word of God, and God's Word will get into you.